Okay, so it's both Parshat Shkolim and Parshat Mishpatim. I chose to do some Svasemis on Parshat Shkolim. Okay, the Echod Ba'adar, Mashmin Ala Shkolim, the Mishnah says, on the first of Adar, they would announce the collection of the Machzis HaShekel, which was used for, in the Beis HaMikdash times for Korbanos Tzibur, for public Korbanos that were brought on behalf of the entire Tzibur. In the original collection of the, Aserza, uh, of the Chatzi Shekel, so those were used to build the Adonim, those silver sockets that were really the basis of the Mishkan. So the entire Mishkan was standing on the silver of the Machzis HaShekel. Now a variety of puzzling midrashim about Machzis HaShekel. One is that the parsha that tells us about it, it's really from Parsha's Kisisa. It starts off, Kisisa is Rosh B'nai Yisrael. When you will, in the future, literally raise up the heads of B'nai Yisrael. Not a command, right? Raise, right? raise up their heads. It's when you will. So the Medrash says, it's a Medrash Tanchuma. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, just as now you're telling them about the mitzvah of Machzis HaShekel and you're raising up their heads, every year, when they read this parsha before me, it will be as if you, Moshe Rabbeinu, will be standing there at that time, and you will be raising up their head. Okay, that's what's meant with this pasuk, ki tisa esrosh, when you will raise their heads. It's not the normal type of command, sa esrosh, right? Pick up their heads or count their heads, ela ki tisa. So that seems very strange, particularly this mitzvah. First of all, why is it described as this idea of picking up the head? It was really, it was a head count, but what's it have to do with raising the head? And why particularly this one is one that's going to be Moshe Rabbeinu. It's as if he'll be doing it each time we do it. Another um, interesting uh, medrash about it is that Moshe Rabbeinu had difficulty understanding the, um, the mitzvah of Machzis HaShekel. This is because the Pesach says, Ze yitnu. This is what they should give. And Rashi brings down in other places as well, every time it says Ze, that means you're shown something, okay? Like with the menorah, it says Moshe Rabbeinu had a hard time understanding how to make the menorah. Zeh Maseh HaMenorah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him the menorah. Now, the problem is that Machzis HaShekel was a really easy mitzvah to perform. It was a certain weight of silver that each Jew had to give. Really not complicated that much. Why would Moshe Rabbeinu have a difficult time? And what HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed him was he showed him a coin of fire from under right, Hashem's throne, so to speak. So what is that? It was a, coin, a silver coin that they gave. Hashem said, they're going to be giving this coin of fire, which is from under my throne. How is that what they're doing? So let's take a look. The mitzvah of Machzis HaShekel comes in order to repair the Chet Ego. Okay, there's another Medrash Tanchuma that says, Averosan shel Yisro mevi'osan li'deis chus. 
the Jews are so amazing that even their Averas bring about mitzvahs. It says, because they had the Cheta Egel, now they had the mitzvah of Machzis HaShekel. So this, the Svasema says, is what was difficult to Moshe Rabbeinu. How in the world can they repair what they did with Cheta Egel by putting a half shekel of silver in the collection box? What, what, what is that going to do? How is it going to be? Okay, what's, uh, what, what's being done, what's there, what's being given? So, the idea of the Matbea Shel Eish, the idea of this coin of fire, we have to look in the following way. Kesef, right? Silver, which was the metal that was used for the Machzis HaShekel, has another meaning. It has the meaning of desire. Like we say in Yedid Nefesh, Nichsof Nichsafti. Right? It means very strong desire. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu that even though they did the Cheta Egel, they have within them the love and the desire that's necessary to build the Mishkan. And the Mishkan stood on love. It says in Shir Hashim, Ratzuf Avot. The Mishkan was paved with love. Now this was hard for Am Yisrael to believe. Okay, if we want to understand this image of Zokefis Roshon, of having their heads come up, we have to try to get a picture of how Am Yisrael felt after Cheta Egel. The giving of the Torah was the most significant event in the history of the world. Everything that they went through until then, the promises to Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, their years in Mitzrayim, the supernatural miracles that they saw in Mitzrayim coming through the Yamsuf, all to be able to receive the Torah, which was really on the cusp of bringing the world back to where it was supposed to be before the Chet of Adam Harishon, and they failed. They did something wrong. Those luchos were smashed. The feeling of B'nai Yisrael, the depression, the lack of belief in themselves, looking, how could we do that after everything we went through. Again, there are many explanations. We all look at this and say, how could they do it? The Kuzri has a fascinating approach, right? That when the king of the Khazars asked him, you say that your people were so great, etc. Look at how they messed up. That's embarrassing. Nobody, so he explains, says, what did they do so bad? They weren't serving idols. They made an image in order to connect to Hashem. Guess what? The Mishkan was full of images. Right? It just happened to be that image wasn't commanded by Hashem. So he plays defense right, for the Cheta Egel in that way. Nonetheless, Chazal used very visceral images. Right? They describe Cheta Egel as Kala Shekilkula like a bride who was disloyal to her husband at the wedding. Har Sinai, Matan Torah, was like a wedding. Right? And there, that was like, so it was definitely something. Difficult, definitely something which changed history in a way that we're still trying to build our way back to where we were before Cheta Egel. And Amisrael doubted themselves. Would we ever be able to reach this level of a Shachanti Besochem, of Hashem dwelling among us? Let's flip back to the Ramban's introduction to Sefer Shmos, where he says that he calls Sefer Shmos Sefer Hagula, the book of Redemption, so to speak. But he says, getting redeemed from Golis doesn't mean leaving the city limits of Mitzrayim. 
the Geula only happens when they would receive the Torah and they would merit to be a Merkava L'Shechina, a chariot for the Shechina, like the Ovas were. And that would only happen with the building of the Mishkan successfully. And remember, the Mishkan wasn't just physical engineering. Okay, there are lots of people who make very detailed models of the Mishkan nowadays. It was spiritual engineering. And you had to be able to have all the right intentions and kavanas and thoughts and desires to be able to make that Mishkan work and come alive, so to speak, which is what finally happens at the end of Parshas Pekudeh. But now that it's time to start building it, Amisol can't believe that they can do it. Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't believe that they can do it. Yes, they can give silver. They got silver. They can do it. Okay, but uh, what, what's going to be? How are they going to manage this? So he showed him the Matbeah Shel Eish. The Matbeah Shel Eish means, says the Svasemis, that every Jew has inside of himself a burning love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a desire to unite with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Shekhinah to be able to be in this world and accessible to this world, that's there and that can never be touched. That never changes. That's what the Pasuk means. Endless waters cannot extinguish the love that Am Yisrael have for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is that Nekuda that he speaks about so much, that Nekuda Pnimis which is there. By Moshe Rabbeinu giving them the mitzvah of Machsis HaShekel, he was telling them, not only can you do this, every single one of you can do this. In fact, every single one of you has an equal ability to do this. It's built in. The fact that this very strange donation, which you know would horrify fundraisers nowadays, right? Okay, the idea that Ha'ani lo yami, the poor person can't give less. Okay, Ha'asher lo yarbe, a wealthy person can't give more than the machtis hashekel. That was a message. It's not that there's only a few individuals within you who are able to do this. Every single Jew has built in the ability to build the Mishkan. That's inside every one of you. It simply has to be awakened. And when Am Yisrael believed in that, that's the idea of Zokefes Roshan, to pick up their heads. When a person's head goes down, that's because he can't see the future. That's because he's ashamed of himself. That's because he doesn't believe in himself. The mitzvah of Kitisa, as Rosh B'nai Yisrael, lifting up their heads, comes and it has to come year after year. We need this. We have to be able to have this, especially when the Beis HaMikdash isn't there, to understand that even when physically we're not building the Beis HaMikdash, spiritually we are. When we want to, when we awaken that desire that we have inside of us. Okay, so this is what the Svasemis tells us here, he says, A Jew always has the ability to awaken this sense of desire and love to Hashem which is in there. And when we clarify this, when we identify this to ourselves, when we know that it's there, Hashem's love for us is awakened. Right, that constant Hashem Tzilcha, right, interaction like the Baal Shem Tov said, like a shadow. I go like this, my shadow goes like this. We awaken the love, and notice the words that we use, the Ur Es to awaken love, meaning the love is there. It's not that something that has to be new and implanted, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu also, His love for Am Yisrael is there. But the awakening comes when we awaken it. 
So now let's get back to this concept of the uniform donation. Svasema says a fascinating thing. The fact that a wealthy person cannot give more and a poor person cannot give less helps us deal with a very big question the Rishoni master already in mitzvahs that have to do with love. Okay, we have the mitzvah of Avas Hashem. We say it in Kriya Shema. Avas Hashem We have the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael. On top of that, there's a mitzvah of Avas Hager, right? That not only as your fellow Jew, but because of his special milas of being a ger, another mitzvah of Ava. But love is something that we don't really feel is in our control. I can't make myself love something if I don't. How can you command me to love? And there are a variety of approaches in the Rishonim for this. But the Svasemes has a fascinating approach. He says, you know how Hashem can command you to do it? Because you do. Because that love is in there inside each and every one of you. That's what the Machzi Sashekel represents. That's what the Matbea Shel Eish, the coin of fire, represents. Every single Jew has it. And in fact, every single Jew has it equally. Now that, he says, is hard for people to believe. Right? Again, Kesef represents Ahava, Nichsov Nichsafti. How can it be that everyone has it equally? Right? He says, they're Hasidim and Anshe Maise. You see, the tremendous love of Hashem. They express it, they live it, they, they act on it. Not all of us have the same thing. So he says, that doesn't contradict what I said for a variety of reasons. Number one, he says, the nakuda that we all have is limited sometimes depending on the interference or the wrapping, so to speak. Simple mushal. I have two light bulbs, both with the same wattage, right? This one's 200 watt, that one's 200 watt. One is in a nice, clear light fixture that I just bought. The other one is in a very old, dusty, dirty light fixture with some dead bugs in there and who knows what else schmutz. So one light fixture is going to be shining out those 200 watts. The other one will be dim, but it's exactly the same light bulb. They both have the same power. Just the way it's expressed outside and experienced by other people is different, but it's there. Okay, and in fact, that is the nature of the mitzvah of Adavas Hashem, meaning, okay, if you tell me that I love Hashem, so what do I have to do? You say, I'm done. The idea is twofold. Number one is to remove those mechitzas, right? those separations, those dividers that block it not only from being expressed outside, but from being expressed to yourself, from you being able to be aware of it. How does that work? The Sefer HaChinuch says that when a person places their love in the wrong things, they're looking for love in all the wrong places, so to speak. Okay, so then they create those mechitzas, then they're diverting the love which is meant to be expressed toward those things that Torah tells us to love, toward other things. He says that would be the bitl of the mitzvah of Abbas Hashem. Okay, but those things that we are supposed to love are all part and parcel of that, including that mitzvah of Abbas Yisrael. So that's one approach that we're going to continue with in a second. Yes, the other one is also interesting. He says another approach could be it's true, you do see some tzaddikim that have a huge amount of ava that seems to be more than other people. But that's the same way that there are some people that have a huge amount of money more than other people. 
Our approach is that person was given that money because his role is to distribute to people who need. So too, some people have been given huge amounts of Avas Hashem, Avas Torah, Avas Yisrael, because they are meant to be distributors to give it to others. Okay, he says, and that's why in the halacha even, even though each person can't give more than a machzis shekel, but if my friend doesn't even have a machzis shekel, I can give one for him. Okay, that he says parallels that idea of distribution. But let's go back to the idea of the love that's inside each person that's there. And that would apply to, I believe, all the mitzvahs of Ava that HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands. Ava Sashem, Ava Sisrael, Ava Satara. All of these things are forms of love, and even the assumption that you love yourself. means love others as you love yourself. You're supposed to love yourself as well. And that's not so easy as we think it is sometimes. So if we have this love, and this is one of the most powerful connections that we have, this obviously is what was needed this was the foundation of the Mishkan in order for the Shekhinah to be able to come into this world. That is what enables us to connect. That's why Shir Hashirim is written as the Moshal in the form of love of man and woman, of husband and wife, because that's the most powerful form of love that we sense in this world, and therefore that's used as the Moshal for Avas Hashem. So love is definitely that connector which is there and which is supposed to be awakened and expressed. But here's the question that we get to. I was listening to a shir just today from Ritzuk Breidowitz. It was one of his question and answer sessions. This is a particularly interesting one he did with guys from Yeshiva Soraita from the Old City. And um, the question was, what gets people to connect to Torah and Mitzvahs? So he said a fascinating thing, and he told over his own life story. On one hand, Judaism is based on knowledge. Right? That's why even the word Rav Volba says it shouldn't be described as a religion. He said religion is the blind groping of creations to contact or influence their creator or some power. Judaism is a way of life that was revealed to us by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's entirely different. In the Kuzari, again, the king of the Khazars asks... How long did it take you to develop your religion? It's very complex. And the Jewish Chacham says, didn't take time. One day it wasn't here, next day it was here. Almost like the creation of the universe from nothing. Right? He says, it, it isn't something that we developed. If you imagine Jews trying to develop what Judaism would be like, the arguments over what color tefillin should be, what shape they should be, all the things, it never would have got anywhere. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed to us those things that are connected to who we are. So it shouldn't be called a religion in that way. And also the word faith that people talk about in the world is almost just the simple, rational thing that takes you over. I found faith. I lost faith. Right? I, I have faith. Torah is based on a Masorah, on knowledge. True, we can't prove everything 100% that a person would say, yes, there's a world of Bechira, of choice. There's a world of hiddenness. Atakel mistater. Hashem is in the world revealed and hidden at the same time. But there's knowledge to have and learn, and that's the basis. Where does emuna come in? Emunoscha balelos. In the nighttime, and the times when we don't understand, 
So then based on our knowledge, but also based on more, is that strength and trust and belief we have that keeps us strong. Now, Rabbi Breitowitz said was the following. Many people connect to Yiddishkeit through experiences. It's not a cold, simple, intellectual endeavor. I'll sit down and, okay, let's hear, learn this with me, show me that, this, I'll decide. Okay, I'm going to go for it. It's experiential. First of all, we can't really contact Torah without living Torah. It's not something you can understand until you're living it. But it's also the connections. And this was his story. He said he became from, I believe he said, at age eight. He said he grew up in a family. His parents were not Shomer Shabbos, but he said he owes everything to them. They sent him to a Jewish day school when he was a kid. And... uh, he said he used to go to school. He would daven in the local shul. This was in Hartford, Connecticut. He davened in the shul. He, again, I guess there was no davening in school. He was a precocious kid. He said he was even given his own key to the shul. And then he would walk the couple of blocks to school. Now, Ramosha Feinstein, he said, came to Hartford, Connecticut for two weeks when he was in fourth grade. Okay, I'm wondering whether this connects to a certain story I heard about Rav Moshe in Connecticut, but I have to investigate it to see if that's true. But anyway, Rav Moshe was there for two weeks, and there was like a carpool who would pick up people who would go to the shul for Shachris, mm-hmm. and they picked him up, and they took Rav Moshe. So he said for two weeks, he rode in the car with Rav Moshe Feinstein. Now he said he did not discuss anything with Rav Moshe. He was a fourth grader, but he observed him. He observed him, number one, just his constant use of time, in little breaks even, opening up a Mishnayis and doing another Mishnah here before the Chazan starts, Chazar Zashat, here, there, each thing. He said he felt this radiation from Rav Moshe. To him, it was, was very real. Nobody told him he had to feel this. It was something he felt. But then there was an incident. There was one day in which it was pouring rain. So, again, he was driven to Shul, and he ended up staying a bit longer in Shul than the other people. And he was about to walk out and walk the two blocks to school. He wasn't afraid of rain. He wasn't going to melt. And the car that took the people to Shul pulled up in front of the Shul. And he said, Reb Moshe, right, knew that you come and you go to school afterwards. And he told me, he said, how's that boy going to get to school in the pouring rain? Go and take him to school. That was his sense of what was there. And that made that impact and that connection. He says he tells that story so many times that that little fourth grader from Hartford, Connecticut became a giant of Torah. Now, here's the cynical side of it that we have to deal with. Anybody who's honest knows that not only Jews are nice people. Anybody who's honest knows that not only Jews do charitable acts or do acts of kindness to other people. Are you telling me that the way you connect to Judaism is because someone's very kind and loving to you? Why is that legitimate? Somebody else can be more kind and more loving. We associate this idea of love bombing with cults. Right? What, what is, how is that meant to be there to connect? On the other hand, that's something we're supposed to do. Rav Cheska said a fascinating thing. We have the mitzvah of to love Hashem with all of your heart, 
all of your soul, your life, your money, right? All these things, love Hashem with everything. Now, Chazal have another drosha on the word ve'ohavta. It's shiehei shem shamayim mis'ahev al yodcha. That Hashem should become loved through you. Through the way that you interact with other people, people should come to love Hashem. Now, he says, if in the first pshat, it means you have to give all your everything to love Hashem, that means in the second pshat, it's also true. You have to give all of your effort to make sure that in your interactions with people, that will connect them to the love of Hashem. So this is a mandate. This is something we're supposed to do. But doesn't it seem like salesmanship? Doesn't it seem illegitimate? The answer is what the Svasemis says. That love is there inside of us. You are not trying to create something new. You're simply awakening an existing connection. When you meet that Jew and he senses the love that you have that comes from your neshama to his neshama, that's awakening something very real. And that, in fact, is the same connection of that Jew to Hashem. It's very simple math. If we say that Akarosh Baruch Hu is our father, that means other Jews are our brothers and sisters. The same thing that connects one way also connects the other way. So the mitzvah of Avas Hashem and the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael really go together. And that's why it's both Vahavtas Hashem Lokecha Tulav Hashem and Sheshamay Misahi Val Yodcha. So the love both for a fellow Jew and for HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there inside of each and every Jew. And it simply has to be awakened. That's the idea of Machzis HaShekel. First of all, the many pshotim. Why half a shekel? Why a half? One approach is that everything we do is only the part we put in and HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes it complete. The other is that all Jews realize there's no one of us who does it all. We can only do it together. right? It can only be there in terms of that. I always go over the Rambam who says that a person who is parish um, minatzibur is one of the things Chazal says, Ein chelik What is that parish minatzibur? It means, he says, that he doesn't care about the other Jews. He doesn't participate in their tefillahs, in their fasting in times of sorrow. None of these things. He's on his own spiritual trip. He's trying to be as righteous as he can. But when he comes up to reception in the next world, if he doesn't have a membership card, he's not going anywhere. right? Because there is no such design as an individual Jew on their own relationship with Hashem and on their own journey. It doesn't exist. You're a machzis. You're half. You're meant to join together with the others. If we think about what the silver of the Machzitz HaShekel did, it was Adonim. It was those sockets. You put the feet of the boards of the Mishkan into the sockets, and that linked board to board together. Right? That was what it was. And the Mishkan, in its full expression in the Mikdash, is an idea of connectivity. Yerushalayim is ke'ir she'chubro lo yachtov. Yerushalayim is the city which connects it connects Shemaim and Oretz. It connects Am Yisrael to each other. And it even connects Am Yisrael to the rest of the world eventually when it will be Kibesi based Tfilo Yikari Lechol So these are things which are there. Parsha Shkolim reminds us of what is there. The idea is simply that we have to wake it up. 
to awaken it, to remember. And when a person realizes this, they pick up their head. Because those things which are there, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put in us, can never be erased. All the waters in the world, whatever sins we do, whatever it may be, cannot erase those truths which are there. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says in the Novi, Ahavti Eschem Numashem, that I love you. I can only command you to love me because you're able to, because that's in there. You do love them. It's there. And this is why, I guess, our practical lesson to finish with is those interactions between Jews are so crucial, are so critical. If a Jew comes and meets another Jew, Okay, again, somebody I know claims that he and a friend invented this term, which is called bageling. People heard of bageling. Bageling means you're standing on line in the airport, and somebody behind you says, you know, this line is longer than the Yom Kippur services. Say, okay. Um, Then, you know, a little while later, um, I had a bagel for breakfast with locks. Okay, right, what's going on there? So what's happening is... This person is trying to identify themselves to you, I'm a Jew. And the question is, how do you react to that? If there's no particular reaction, so not only are you telling the person, gee, even though this person's visibly Jewish, they don't seem to care about me, it also convinces them that the connection between them and HaKadosh Baruch Hu isn't there either, because it's the same connection. By kindness which is they're not trying to shove a Kiruv book into their face or something on the plane, but simply by recognizing, oh, we're both part of this. I'm a machzis, you're a machzis, pleased to meet you. right? You're my other half, so to speak. Every Jew is each other's other half. Then that awakens the connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well. It's not a trick. It's not marketing. It's not love-bombing. It's simply expressing a reality and awakening a reality which is there. Right? That's the key that has to be done. And it's nice to see when that comes out. Two stories that I saw about it. One was a little bit strange. I was on an airplane once going, I think it was from New York to Los Angeles or Chicago. To, it was a fairly long flight. So I got on, I got my typical aisle seat that I always ask for because I hate to be imprisoned. And um, in front of me, in the two aisle seats in front of me, were two guys who somehow convinced the flight attendants to start serving them beer before the plane took off. So they basically took off before the plane. And they were getting a bit rowdy. I wasn't paying attention to their discussion. And suddenly I heard there was a bit of like yelling. And the guy who was sitting directly in front of me turned around and he said, did you hear what that? I deleted said to me, I said, no. He said, you know, it somehow it came up that I'm Jewish and he started making fun as if I have a Jewish mother and, you know, if I love money and all these kind of things. He said, if we weren't on a plane, I would have punched his teeth out. He said, you know, I can't stand it when people talk like that. And then he unbuttoned his shirt and he was wearing a mezuzah on a necklace. He says, I may not, you know, be observant like you, but I wear my mezuzah every day. And then he was talking to me for a while and I was wondering, why was that? Why did he come to me? And I think that was always the story of the Jewish people in Gullus. Meaning you go, you buy beers with the nations around you, you're having a good time. 
<clears throat> and then it turns on you at some point. But you always know that you can look for that Jew that you can identify and that they'll be there for you. At least it's supposed to be that way. The other story was one that I heard from a taxi driver. I was taking a taxi someplace here in Israel. And, uh, you know, he obviously detected that I was from America. He asked me where I was from. I said, from Boston. He said, oh, I've been to Boston, you know. And then he started listing off the places he's been. Invariably, Israelis have seen more of America than I have, you know, almost always. And, uh, you know, I just uh, I haven't been to all those places. But this guy was extra special. Like, he'd seen a tremendous amount. It wasn't just Israel. It was the world. He was giving me a travelogue of all these places. I said, how'd you get to so many places? So he said, well, for a few years, I worked in Israel's merchant marine, Tzim, the shipping lines. I, I, was, I was a sailor. I said, so what was your favorite place in all your travels? He said, it wasn't a particular place, but it was a type of place. There were some times where the ship would come to dock in a city that had a Jewish community, and the community would get a message that an Israeli ship is there, and the ladies would bake us nice things, and they would come and they would bring to us. And I said to myself, these people don't know me. They've never seen me before. It's quite likely they'll never see me again. Why are they doing this? He said, believe me, Tamin Lee said, I felt more Jewish at that moment than being here in Israel. He said, and it was at that time that I decided to put on Trillin every day. It was a fascinating thing, but that's exactly what it is. It awakened that reality because it's there, and that's what makes it sense in what's happened. So this is just not a philosophical discussion about Machzis HaShekel and what it represented. It has real action points. Moshe Rabbeinu is Zokef the Rosh of all of Am Yisrael with the concept of Machzis HaShekel, which at its roots is love, the Matbeah Shel Eish. Each of us is able to be Zokef the Rosh of every other Jew by awakening that love in them, by letting them know that you care for them as well. It's a key. It's the most important. Then a person's ready to learn and look and see. But that's the beginning part of it. That's the foundation of the Mishkan. Then you bring the Aran Kodesh into it that has the Torah, and we learn and grow. But first and foremost, we need that fire of Ava, wishing everyone a wonderful week and Shabbos and precious schooling as well.